You are now chopping it up with the Nerd Barbershop Podcast. Thank you. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Nerd Barbershop Podcast. Of course, I'm Terry Williams. Thank you so much for checking out this brand new episode. Hanging out with me for a little bit. So in this episode, I'm going to be talking about one of my actually favorite shows of 2022 was a surprise hit a surprise favorite show of mine i honestly was not expecting to really enjoy this show as much as i did going into it so i can tell about the episode of this podcast we're going to be talking about the bear on fx you can stream season one right now on hulu hulu is not paying me for this podcast but if they wanted to they definitely could <laughs> um so just a little bit about the bear the bear of course it came out during the summer i believe on fx i remember seeing the little ads for it and stuff like that on my google uh my google tv and i was like what is this show like i've never seen it never heard of it didn't hear much about it but watching stuff on hulu i started seeing commercials for the bear so okay i'll check it out and i was doing some i think i saw a little article about it. it's talking about you know it's about a restaurant in chicago oh okay that's kind of cool and it's kind of you know a sh- uh, um he's a james beard warning chef in the show he takes over his late brother's restaurant and chaos kind of ensues so that's kind of the synopsis of the show for the most part but the bear does take place at a place. I think it's called this famous beef. I believe is what the restaurant's called. It's like, I think it's called like the famous beef somewhere. But it's, the restaurant, quote unquote, is in River North, which is Chicago, north of the river in Chicago, which is really cool. I actually used to work in River North, so that made me. One thing about the show I really really liked, uh, it made me feel at home. Like the restaurant of the show being in River North. I used to work in River North personally. Being in Chicago, you get to see like. The pink line, which you don't see the pink line a lot, and shows based in Chicago. Um, one of the characters, Sydney, she actually takes the pink line to get home, which made me feel really that hit me right in the heart. Cause I take the pink line everywhere. It's the closest uh train station to my house, so I take the pink line a lot. So that was really kind of near and dear to me. It made it just it felt like me. Like this was like a show that you could almost I related to so much. So in the show, the bear, we focus on uh. Carmi, aka well, his real name is Carmine, but Carmi is his nickname. And again, like I kind of said earlier, he's a James Beard Award-winning chef, won all these awards and things like that. But his brother, you know, passed tragically passes away. His brother leaves the um the restaurant to Carmi and the Will. Carmi decides to take up the restaurant. He wants to upscale the restaurant. He wants to make the restaurant better. You know, just improve on all the recipes, improve on how it functions, makes it more efficient and things like that. Also, before I get any further into this episode of the podcast, spoiler alert, I will be talking about probably, yeah, there will be spoilers. So if you don't want any spoilers, please do not watch it or do not listen any further. If you already watched the show, you can listen further. But if you haven't, please pause the episode, watch season one and come back. I'll make sure to put spoiler alert in the title and in the tags and stuff like that. So, you know, spoiler alert, please do not be spoiled. I will be talking about a lot of the key points of the show. So we meet Carmi first, and again, Carmi's from a, he comes from, you know, Michelin star restaurant, James Beard Award winning restaurants, um, you know, very fancy, like highly fancy, super, you know, kind of pristine, and there's orders, and just like French restaurants and things like that, like how everything happens, you know, everything's very organized, very crisp, and very machine-like, that's what he's used to, but uh, the beef in Chicago is very you know, very casual, super family friendly, or, you know, not not family friendly, but it's very relaxed in a way. And so it's him trying to establish, you know, a more organized, efficient manner to the restaurant. And he gets a lot of backlash from some of the other chefs. So you meet, um, 
Richie, who's his cousin, quote unquote. They're not really cousins, but it's kind of like that family. You know, we have really good friends. They're like family. You call them cousins just because. So you meet uh, Richie, who's cousin, quote unquote. Uh, Marcus, who is a he is the bread maker for them, but then he becomes a pastry chef because they end up realizing they should outsource the bread because the bread they make at the restaurant doesn't quite hold the sandwich properly. They want the texture. So Marcus goes from bread making to being the pastry chef, and he kind of has his whole sub story that happens. Um, you have Tina, who is like the class. She's been there since the get go. Veteran line cook. Um, she gives uh, she gives a lot of sass, a lot of personality, and her and, and the newest character and kind of newest addition to the restaurant that we meet is Sydney. And Sydney comes in. She's very young. She's very passionate, very ambitious. And she really likes she really likes Carmi. She likes he follows his career. She knows who he is. And she wants to work at that restaurant to work with him because she wants to make herself better. But in uh Sydney and Tina, they butt heads throughout the entire first season. Like constantly. Like, you know, Sydney's trying to tell Tina do things a certain way, trying to kind of help encourage her. And Tina's like giving her, you know, giving her lip, kind of kind of telling her like the F off and, you know, do all this stuff and not really listening. But by the end of season one, Tina respects Sydney. It's a really cool dynamic that kind of happens towards the end, which I can relate to in my own uh personal life with dealing with restaurants and stuff like that, where that happens, where you come in, you know, maybe you're kind of come in, you're kind of like the young gun, and you're just like, you're really good. But all, all the veteran people that have been there, like, oh, they kind of think you're kind of stuck up if you do it in a certain way. But then you just kind of have to earn their respect. And usually it takes one shift. Like, there's usually one shift where you do something like either we're backed up and you just kind of hold your own. And they kind of go, okay, you're legit. We respect you. Like, and that happens. So, yeah, it's really, so I love the cast. I think they did a great job of casting because it feels like a restaurant I will work in. Because they have a really good family atmosphere. Like, yeah, they talk shit and they give each other shit and stuff happens. And they all have their own personal demons and stuff that they're trying to come to. But the restaurant just feels kind of very homey. And there's a lot of great moments in the first season. Like, I'm not going to touch on maybe all I think it's eight episodes, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah. The first season's eight episodes. I'm not gonna go into all the eight episodes and tell you every, like, break down every single episode. But I'll probably hit stuff from each one. It's Cause like one of the first things you meet with, <laughs> with uh, Carmi, cause like he calls everybody chef. It's just out of respect. Just he calls everyone chef, the dishwashers, the cash. He calls everybody chefs. It's kind of a way to unify everybody and give everybody so everybody's at the same level of respect, which is really cool. It's really funny that they pick on him a lot for it, but they kind of come around to it. Um, but one of the things that happens, like, he has a knife. He has, like, a Japanese steel knife. Those knives are, like, two grand, $3,000. Easy. He can't find his knife. And his, he's looking for it. He's looking for it. His knife is, like, under, like it's on the floor underneath a counter, like, underneath, like the, like, the sink or something. You can see his face. Like, his eyes just kind of break because <laughs> that's, like, because they don't, they're just, like, it's just a knife. It's whatever. That knife is so expensive and it's so sharp. You can see his heart just kind of breaks. Just seeing his highly expensive knife, his super sharp knife, just treated like whatever is underneath the sink. And you can see his heart break. That broke my heart because I want one of those knives personally as well. And it was just like, ugh, like that. You can just feel it. I say, like, I know when I was talking about the show on Facebook, a lot of people, I was telling people, if you worked in a restaurant, it will give you PTSD. There's moments in that show that I had because I lived through some of those moments. And, man, I could just tell you, like, PTSD. There's one moment. So, I really love the show. Like, the show gets, like, a 9 out of 10, 9.5 out of 10. There's just certain moments I didn't really like because I wish they would 
continue forward with a story like or they would like kind of just give you a little bit more because a lot of times how the show would start you get a little bit more of their personal life just a little bit not a whole lot most of the shows take place at the restaurant which i really appreciate it so but there's like they you would get like these little teases about a dinner rush or a tease about an event and they won't really show the event they will kind of skip ahead and go past it because there's one point where they're prepping for a bar crawl in river north which i've done i've done a few bar crawls in river north now and just them prepping them like getting prepped for it but then you don't get to see the actual bar crawl happening and i was like oh i wish they showed i wish they showed that chaoticness that can happen at a bar crawl and just that sense like you're on fire for as long because usually the bar crawls are usually a couple hours they're not super super long but you have like people coming in for the bar crawl you have normal your normal everyday customers coming in and if you have like uber eats or grubhub or stuff you have those orders going that like those going those orders coming in as well make me nuts so i really wish they would have showed that so hopefully in season two because the show did get picked up for season two it did like critically acclaimed people loved it like vanity fair covered it like all these different places covered the show fx did pick it up for season two so there will be a season two which i'm very 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 excited about but i hope they just kind of add a little bit more to the restaurant just a little bit more of those moments of you know they had a moment where they ran out of chicken i think and they were trying to figure out what was the chicken or was it beef? It was one they ran out of something. And they were trying to figure out how to make it, how to stretch it and how to make it work. And they kind of skipped ahead a little bit, but they didn't show what they did. Like, I need those moments. Like, I need that because that's stuff that really, really happens. And that stress is just like, uh, it sucks. But I was watching the show and I'm like, yep, been there, been there, been there been there been there like it's just wild just like on um, one thing that happened with a uh, sydney because she you know she i think she studied at um uh, what is this called? the color institute of america i think she studied at and um yeah i think it was cia i think she studied at cia and so um and so what happens is like she gets these ideas when she's asleep she gets ideas for recipes and ideas for things that she's working on she like writes them down at night which is which made me laugh because me personally i don't necessarily be asleep but like you know when you're laying down you're falling asleep usually i get recipe ideas in that state of mind where you're kind of like in that lucid where you're where you don't really want to wake up but you're not really sleepy yet you're kind of like in between those two of those two stages i get so many ideas for recipes and food stuff and just like oh i need to make that or oh i should try that or oh what if i add that to that and i do the she writes it down at night i don't write my ideas at night but a lot of times when i wake up the next day it's still fresh in my mind so i was like oh man like, i do that too and then uh, you have moments where uh carmy because he ends up going to like an aa meeting to help with his smoking and like his dreams just to help him deal with some stuff because the death of his brother was really really intense for them because his brother actually committed suicide his brother's actually played by john Bernthal. uh his brother's name is mikey he actually commits suicide by shooting himself in the head and that really affected carmy affected their sister Shuggy or Shuggy, their sister sugar um it just uh it just affected you know everything and he just really had kind of had a hard time dealing with it. there's also a part where you go back in time to when he was at a james beard award-winning kitchen his old kitchen before he took over the uh the beef and his chef is just yelling at him like oh you're stupid you're no good oh this is terrible you know you're terrible right oh yeah you suck what's that smell in your hair Ugh, it smells like cigarettes you smoke cigarettes you're a dog like him just like just berated him and carmen's like yes chef yes chef i know chef like him just it was like my brain was like oh man that's crazy like it was just insane but that's again that's the life that some people have and it happens you know and so this is all stuff they deal with like there's a moment where 
uh, Carmi had this nightmare of him burning his kitchen, I think. And there's a later on in the episode that actually happened where he's doing something on he's watching something on the stove and he just kind of gets teleported. His mind just goes in the kitchen. The pot catches on fire and the the kitchen or not the whole kitchen, but like the kid, the stove starts catching on fire and everybody comes and they spray it out. They're like, are you good? He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's just just that that, you know, kind of that anxiety that comes with it. And it was like, it's really good. Like, there's a lot of little stories, like the relationship between Carmi and Richie, the relationship between Sydney and Richie, because they kind of get into it here and there. Uh, the relationship between Tina and Richie, or this, yeah, between Tina and Richie, because they were really close, because they were there when Mikey, you know, ran the shop or ran the restaurant. The relationship between Sydney and Tina, the relationship between Marcus and Carmi, the relationship between Marcus and Sydney. You know, like, there's a lot of really cool functionality and really cool, like, just. Because they're people. Because I think what the show really does is really establishes them as people. As people that work together. That are co-workers. That, you know, things happen. Like, and then, because, um, like, one of the biggest things that happened in the show was um, they were setting up where Sydney kind of talked Carmi into doing Grubhub. They're doing, like, a, um, like, like um, Grubhub or Uber or something. And... Uh, then, so Sydney was in, in, in charge of setting it up. So it was like cool. And so they're getting ready. You know, they're kind of get, they're getting ready to open, setting up everything. And Carmen's like, okay, cool. Sydney, cut it on. She cuts it on, and there's already orders coming in. There's like 50, 60 orders already coming in for beefs, for chicken, for pieces of cake, for like their menu because they she forgot to turn off the pre like the um like the pre-order setting she forgot to cut it off so it's been on i guess all day or all night people have been putting in their orders and they were swamped like it was chaos it was mad like carmy started to lose it like carmy was kind of like berating them to tell them he was like hey drop everything and i can't like, chef we'll, be, we'll have this chicken drop every fucking thing we have in the back like it was insane like they were doing like they were just trying to do everything people started like arguing stuff and marcus was like caught up in like this donut because he's been one of his stories that he's been working on like the perfect donut he couldn't quite figure it out he finally figured it. he did it but they're like marcus we need 20 slices of cake he's like okay yeah i'll get to it and he just kind of was you know like he was just kind of in his own world because he's so focused on this donut. And then Carmi's like, Marcus, we need the cake. Like, we need you to start cutting cakes and get cakes together. Like, how many cakes do you have made? And Sydney even added, he's like, oh, yeah, I got like two. They're like, two? Like, what's that? You know, so he, because he, he, he just wasn't there. And so he finds the donut really perfect. But then, like, I think Carmi, like, slaps it out of his hand and kind of, like, gets into him. Like, hey, where you at? We need you. I don't care about that fucking donut. We need these fucking pieces of cake. And Marcus is upset. He, like, flips over some stuff. And then Sydney, like, gets into it with Richie. And Sydney accidentally stabs Richie, uh, Richie in the ass. Hilarious. Because in the kitchen, you're supposed to always have a knife. Like, the knife, the blade of the knife should be pointed down parallel to your legs that's how it's supposed to be so and you always say sharp when you're in the kitchen so everyone knows you have something sharp you never hold the knife like sticking up because that's how people get stabbed that's exactly what happened they were getting into it what like sydney and richie were getting into it like talking shit to each other just going in and sydney had like a little knife 
Rhea, she had the knife, and then she had it sticking out, and she walked forward a little bit into Richie, and got Richie right, no, I think she stabbed him in the leg, not the ass, it would've been funny if it was in the ass, but she stabbed him, like, in the thigh, because she, like, he, like, walked forward, she, like, walked forward a little bit further than she needed to, and stabbed him, crazy, absolutely crazy, and just, like, it was just hectic, there was tickets coming out, Carmi's trying to figure out what's happening, Carmi and Sydney get into it, because, because this was Sydney's responsibility, and Carmen was like, "Yo, like, hey, this is you know, this is kind of on you. You didn't handle this, like." And they were just kind of going back and forth. And Sydney walked out. She's like, "I quit. I'm done." And she walked out. And for me personally, and I'm like, I because Sydney and Marcus they talk about it a little bit late in like the, the last episode of the season. They kind of talk about it. But I was like, and Sydney's like, oh, you know, Carmi's a pussy, and he, yeah, he's a bitch, and all this. But I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, he should have handled it differently. But that was your job. <laughs> You didn't do your job. You didn't cut off the pre-order. Make sure no orders came in. So now orders are coming in. And they're all backed up. So she needed to take some responsibility for that. She didn't really at the end of the season. It was kind of blew me. Because I'm like. But I'm like. That's partly your fault. Now you're a sous chef. This was your idea. You should be able to take responsibility for it. And she didn't really do that. She just kind of. You know. She comes kind of complaining about the way he treated her. But I'm like. But you let him down. Like, come on. Like, come on. Come on, Sydney. Um, she does end up coming back on the last episode. Marcus and Carmen, they end up kind of talking it out a little bit. You don't really see it. But you do. they do end up kind of talking it out a little bit. And they kind of come back. And then one of the big... Because one of the biggest plot points of the entire show is... They don't have any money. And Carmen's spending... He's looking at the books trying to figure out... Where the fuck is the money? <laughs> like, where's stuff going? Who are these people? Like, he's trying to figure this out. And so he's trying to figure out... You know, because... Uh, you know, he wanted to pay Sydney Because Sydney Well, because before Sydney joined the team officially... She did a stage. And a stage in cooking... It stands... It's French... For, I think... I forget... It's, it's pretty... Well, it is French. It has a full name. It's like stagiaire or something like that. But it's basically... It's a working interview in kitchens. And most kitchens you stage. You come in, you work a normal shift, usually, you know, five, eight hours, and you go home. Sometimes you can do more than one. Most of the times you don't get paid, but sometimes you do get paid. I personally actually did a stage at Kuma Corners some years ago, and they actually did pay me for my five, six hours I was there, and I did get paid. So, so that's what she did. So, Sydney actually did a stage. She liked it. They brought her on as a shoe chef, but Carmen had to figure out how to pay her. You know, pay her, pay the bills, get the ingredients. Like, actually, in the first episode, Carmi actually sells some classic Levi's to get money to buy uh, beef for the roast beef sandwiches. Like, it's crazy. It's wild. But so the whole episode, like, money is kind of a thing throughout the entire first season. They're trying to figure out where, like, where's the money going? What we put money into? How we get stuff fixed? And, like, it was just kind of wild. But so what ends up happening is that Richie actually finds a note left from Carmi's brother Mikey in the locker room area. He sees it. He sees it for Carmi. He puts it back. He doesn't give it to him. The last episode, the last episode, he Carmi's in the locker room, you know, thinking, just kind of relaxed, has his head down, whatever. Richie goes back to the locker. He found the letter, pulls it out, and gives it to Carmi. And Carmi's looking like, what the fuck is this? And Richie's like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know, cousin. Like, I don't know. He's just kind of, you know, kind of shrugged. He does He never read it. He just knew it was there. And Rich, and Carmi's like, the fuck is this, Richie? And he's like, I can't. I, I don't know. Because he doesn't know. So, Carmi opens it up. And so, all the let, all the envelope is from Mikey. It's just, it's the recipe to the family dinner. Because in restaurants, a lot of times, 
before shifts and sometimes after shifts, but usually before shifts, after you do pre-meal and everything, you do what's called family meal. And usually you make stuff in-house. Sometimes you order pizza or sometimes you get wings and stuff like that. But, you know, it's usually just a meal where the whole staff gets together. Everybody eats, kind of relax before the shift starts. You can do it after the shift, too. It's usually before or after the shift. So it's just, you know, you just kind of get together and everybody eats. And when I was at the U Club, we would actually eat some of the buffet food that was from, like, like buffets that just ended. Because, you know, after they're done or whatever, there'll be a buffet. We'll push the buffet into, like, the buffet food into, like, another room. The staff will go into, like, an empty room, pull down the chairs, and we all eat together. That'd be kind of, that would be our family. So, yeah. So, family meals, that's kind of family meals in restaurants. They try all restaurants, eh, sometimes it doesn't happen, but it just depends on your restaurant and how it operates and things like that. So, yeah. So, the note that Mikey left Carmi was just... For his, was was like the family like spaghetti or like he was like his spaghetti and meat sauce recipe or something, or something like that. I forget what it actually was. And Carmi just kind of he he kind of tears up a little bit. He kind of laughs. He's like, oh, you know, fuck him because that's his brother's kind of still being a dick. So Carmi decides to make it. And also another point in the series that happened was because instead of using traditional tomato cans which are number 10 cans. Like, if you order, like, if you're in a restaurant, you see, if you happen to see, like, the big old, like, cans of tomatoes, they're called number 10 cans. They're not 10 pounds. They're just called number 10 cans. Don't ask me why. You usually get about eight in a case. So that's usually standard side. But for some reason, at the beef, Mikey always used these really small, like, these smaller tomato cans, and no one knew why. So, and Carmi never used the small ones. He just ordered the bigger ones, because that's kind of the standardized size for a restaurant. So, it's like, okay, whatever. So he's like, so you know, I'm gonna make this recipe for family. So like, you know, I'll take care of the sauce or whatever. So he's making the sauce, and <laughs> he opens up a can of sauce and he's putting it in, and just a wad of cash falls out. And he does another one, a wad of cash falls out. And so then he realizes all these small ass cans of tomatoes have money in it, and it's all the money that they needed to cover all their expenses. They still didn't quite explain that, but that's what happened. So he just tells everybody, hey. You know, hey, open, open up these cans, and everybody's covered in tomato sauce. Everybody's opening cans, like, getting them open, and they're just finding, like, tons and tons of money. And then Sydney walks in, because this is the last episode. So Sydney comes in, and she's like, she's kind of like, what's happening? And then Carmen's like, hey, chef, like, we good? And she's like, yeah, we're good. And Rich's like, hey, Sydney, come on, throw on an apron, start cracking open these cans. And then Sydney sees all the money, and then her and Carmen have this moment where they're both talking about, like, some of the, they talk about some of the expansions that they want, you know, the new dining room. Is this how they wanted to build it? And they're like, they start spewing out ideas. And now they have the money. And so the series, so the first season actually ends with Carmi, like, putting up a sign that says, you know, the original beef is closing. And there's a new one that says, like, the bear is coming soon. Because the name of the new restaurant will be called The Bear. Which is really cool. Which is really, it's a really great show. Really fun. I definitely advise you to watch it if you like restaurant shows. They do a really good job of telling that story. Um, another like little relationship I didn't really talk. I I mentioned it was the relationship between Sydney and Tina. I talked about it a little bit, but the way they resolved it was so cool. Was that Sydney asked Tina to make some mashed potatoes or something, and you know she was like, "Hey, season like season." I forget she asked her to season like season the sauce or something like season one part of it. Don't worry about the potatoes. And, you know, yeah, she it was like a sauce. But what, ha- what ended up happening was Tina actually boiled, she actually boiled the sauce over and she overcooked it and she had to throw it away. And what was really cool was Sydney had already made a backup one. So she put it on the stove, seasoned it, and had it going for Tina. And Tina was like, when she came back, she was like, 
you did this? Like, why you do this? And then I forget exactly what Sydney said. But Sydney was like, you know, I'm about work. Like, you know, I'm about business. Don't fucking play with me. Or something like that. I forget exactly what Sydney said. But it was very, very dope. And it, Tina, it earned Tina's respect. Tina was like, okay. You know, she's trying to help me. Because she was trying to teach her and show her stuff. And like, you know, make her more efficient too. Like, not trying to tell her how to cook. But just make her more efficient. Tina wasn't really feeling it because he thought oh she's coming in at the sous chef she's gonna boss me around and woo, woo, woo. that's that's not the thing sydney was trying to teach pass on whatever she learned to other people it was really cool because then tina started dressing more like sydney she had like the white apron the white you know the white coat the white apron it was really cool so i like their relationship too but i really enjoyed the bear i love season one i cannot wait for season two can't wait. Also, it's a really good show based in Chicago. Like, I wish you saw, I wish you saw like little some other little Chicago landmarks. But just seeing the pink line and like the green line and just because uh, Sydney actually takes the train at the Clinton stop, which I was like, yep, that's yep, yep. I don't take the Clinton stop all the time, but I pass it constantly. Like, yep, yeah, we're there. So that's my view of the. That's kind of me talking about the bear. I guess my discussion review. Really loved it. Like, there was just some little things, like, little nitpicky things about it. But it was so great. It's easily one of my favorite shows of 2022. And I can't wait for more. So, thank you so much for checking out this brand new episode of the Nerd Barbershop Podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Like, share, uh, comment on YouTube, subscribe. Hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know if you watched The Bear. Because I personally really, really enjoyed it. And I just can't wait for more. So, all in forever, slicing, dicing, gaming. Not just a motto, it's a lifestyle. See you in the next podcast. Later.